Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, 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 Welcome to podcast episode number 844. We are the Fight Disciples. This is your MMA preview podcast. And sweet baby Jesus and the orphans, this is going to be a good one because this card is stacked from top to bottom. UFC 298 and into Anaheim, California. Before we get stuck into it, though, please subscribe. You can do it via our website, fightdisciples.com. That's where you get all the audio feeds for us. And you can also get us on YouTube, Fight Disciples. Don't be lazy. Come on. I know that you're here for the UFC 298 preview, but let's make this a more regular thing. Yeah, we do the Apex shots. We do a bit of Cage Warriors in there. We do a bit of PFL. We talk about all sorts. And if that's your bag and you like a little bit of a, a crack with the lads, subscribe to the channel on YouTube and you'll never miss out on any of our content. Plus, at the start of every single uh, video that we do, he sits there like that, smiling, which is always a winner, isn't it? See, he's happy. I'm very happy. I'm happy because unlike the boxing show, which we recorded today, which was very news heavy, mm. we've got no reason to put any news into this show because it's going to be stacked as it is. Because this 2898 card coming out of California is absolutely redonkulous. Ridiculous. Is it just me? Because it's Wednesday now. So we've only just started fight week. We've only dipped our toe into it. But so far, does fight week belong to Mirab? Has Mirab oh. stolen fight week already? The internet belongs to Mirab. The, the, mate, he is just... I, I, I commented on a post that he put on yesterday and I said, mate, this has easily become my favourite Instagram account. Yeah, Whenever he posts something, the, yeah, there's nothing serious about it at all. Like, Whoever he's, I don't know whether it's him or he's employed somebody to just create content for him constantly. It's absolutely hilarious. And it's hilarious because we know it's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that That is how Mirab operates all the time. Honestly, he's absolutely around the bend. I was surprised to learn this week that he's now training out of syndicates. I didn't realise he wasn't with Sarah Longo anymore. I don't know whether that's a, a, a camp-specific thing. Maybe he's just uprooted to Vegas specifically for this fight, whatever it might be. I'm not sure. But oh, as you say, all the stuff that comes with it, the amazing thing, like, did you see the training monologue that he did? With and he was like, how Georgians yeah. think I train. Yeah, yeah. How that's, what I, that's what I commented I on. That's what I commented oh, mate, on. Yeah, yeah. Just absolutely immense. And then how, since How my then, girlfriend thinks I train. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> And then now, have you seen the latest one with Eric? Eric Albarassian, who's around the hotel. And he's like, 
Here I am with my head coach. He's my new head coach. Watch this, coach. Is this right? When I go for single leg, I pick because he's Henry right-handed, yes? So I combat that like this. And Paul Eric's just like stuck with a cat in the headlights. Not for the first time on tape in the last seven days, obviously. He's just standing there taking it all in, mate. I think it's absolutely hilarious. Mirab is the guy, as you say. He owns social media. Mate. And he thinks he's going to, we've only just started. He's going to own Fight Week. But the pair of them two, him and Henry, are both bonkers. So mm. I, like, I'm seeing all this content coming out via their own Instagram accounts, and I'm confused. I'm like, what's real? What's not real? What What's this? What's that? Last night, Henry posted a video, done he? I got you all. Tricked you. The uh, the video that you saw on... Embedded. It was on the countdown. Show. countdown. Yeah, yeah, that's right. On the countdown show where he allegedly sacks coach Eric in a really weird way. Now, ah, I tricked you all as if I'm going to get rid of coach Eric. He's there with coach Eric in the, in the hotel. Yeah. Just made you feel, I'm like, what? Okay. It's all clicks. It's all narrative. It all creates to the mystique of, uh, of the characters that are, that are connected to the fight game. But when you get rid of all the brass tacks, man, when you get right down to the short and curlies of it, when the cage door shuts on Saturday night, they're going to have a fight, aren't they? It doesn't matter who's on the outside of that octagon. It's Henry Seguro against Mirad Dervashvili, and it's going to be absolutely outstanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, already right now, I want 10 more minutes. I don't think 15 minutes is enough. I want 10 more minutes on that fight. I think it's going to be absolutely insane. And that's the second card fight on the main card. Still three more fights to go after that. Three more fights. It's mental. It's mental. Let's start with the main events. Let's start with, you know, the, the, the reason we're all here. It's hard, it's hard, not, to, it's hard not to start with Mirab, though, isn't it? He's a fucking exactly. lunatic. Because it's, it's the Mirab <laughs> show. That's why. But Volkanovski versus Tapori, obviously, we talked on Monday about Volkanovski's incredible social media and post of his own. The little video that he made with the, with the, with the Australian betting company. Absolutely next level skits, unbelievable. But it's business now. But he's he's in Las Vegas now. Tapora's been in Las Vegas for a few weeks. Everyone's all settled in. All the talkings almost done. Like right now, I I think I know the exact version of Alexander Volkanovsky we're going to get on Saturday night. I'm starting to wonder whether this undefeated rising superstar from Spain is ready to jump up that level because it is a jump when you look at that featherweight division it's stacked 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 and then you go whoop max bing volk and that's a big step to take what have you made of Tapuria's let's concentrate on Tapuria then for the first bit of the show right what have you made of Tapuria's uh attitude demeanor the way that he's speaking he seems incredibly confident some people that are obviously observing this are uh, touting it as arrogance. You've already seen his Instagram account that he's already put the win on. He's already moved yeah. it to 15 and 0. He's already saying that he's the UFC champion. Now, listen, I'm all for manifestation. I'm all for living in that moment. I'm all for getting in the right headspace. Um, but what have you made of it? Have you have you taken it as arrogance or have you taken it as, listen, this kid is supremely confident and rightfully so because he's undefeated and he's looked mustard. Listen, we've been lucky enough to be around Ilya a few times around his fights as well, and I've seen the way he operates, his team operates. We were at the the PI one time when he was preparing for a fight in Vegas, and I've seen him and his team in London as well, incidentally, but he's got a massive team around him. Ilya, 
he, he behaves, walks and talks like a champion already. It's part of his success story. It's part of the reason why he's undefeated. No boxes left unturned. He's had a nutritionist on, on board for a long time. He's got a really strong jiu-jitsu team around him, a grappling team around him, excellent striking coaches. There's literally a dozen, maybe even 20 people around Ilya and has been on his rise. So absolutely will be around him now. Reminds me a little bit of, um, of uh, what's his name, Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira, when he turns up with his team, there's fucking 20 dudes. They've all dyed their hair white. They're all there for Charles Oliveira. They're all part of the team. There's all they've all got one common goal, and that's to make him the best fighter on the planet. Tapora's got that, and he's still on the rise. So when you've got that around you, and you put when you put that kind of I wouldn't say a cushion, but that wall of support around you, the people going, You're the man, we're here. My life is getting you here. His life is training you to get you to this point. That is going to give you such a high level of confidence. Then, of course, on top of that, it's the manner in which he wins his fights, it's the manner in which he carries himself. Rolls into London. Yeah, man. I'll have a fight at lightweight. Fucking absolutely. Put me in with this local guy. This this star striker, you say? Okay. I'll strike with him. Let's go. Boom. Knocks him out. Next time. Right. Okay. You want me back in America? Okay. Put me in with this guy who's also top 10 with me. He's the American rising star. He's got the whole... Uh, the, the whole... What's it called? <laughs> I don't know. This is because I'm on fucking two-year-old antibiotics. I still can't think straight. He's got this whole, like, yokel kind of culture behind him. All this deep South America's behind Bryce Mitchell. Everyone's like, yeah, Bryce Mitchell, man. Give me that guy. Yeah, he's a submission guy. Okay, I'll sub him. Like, that's the mentality of Ilya Tapora. In some ways, has got that John Jones element about it. Put me in with a striker, I'll knock him out. Put me in with a a jiu-jitsu guy, I'll sub him out. Put me in with a fighter like Josh Emmett, I'll go toe-to-fucking-toe with him. I'll smash his face to bits and I'll I'll win a unanimous decision. That's what he does every... So when you're winning like that, when you're putting in those kind of performances and you're consistently getting your arm raised, he's got every right in the world to have the confidence that he has. Every right. Hmm. Um... I don't think it's fake. Oh, no. What I'm saying is, is he getting a carried? Was he getting carried away with himself, with the just the way that that is portrayed to the audience? A lot of people are thinking that oh, he's a bit arrogant. You know what I mean? He's gonna he he's, he talks a great game. You listen to Leo Tapuria's interviews; he talks a phenomenal game. But you've got to back that up, and if you do back it up, then all of a sudden you become a superstar. And he's got the opportunity to try and back that up as he uh, come come Saturday night. From a technical standpoint. If you listen, anybody that watches a lot of MMA can fully understand that even the slight differences in striking abilities of certain fighters, and I'm talking about elite strikers, whether they come from Muay Thai, whether they come from kickboxing, K1 that is, or or whatever, everybody's got a very different style of striking. Ilya Tapura might be the best boxer in the UFC. His his tech. His technical awareness of and and range control, everything about what he does when he's box purely boxing in an MMA uh, sphere, is truly sensational. Defensively, attack, he's he's outstanding. One interesting stat that I saw regarding Tapuria, 
what is he, five, six fights in the UFC? He's 14 fights pro, but he's had about five or six, hasn't he, in the, in the UFC. In, in, his, in the UFC, six fights in the UFC, in the UFC, he's still to yet throw a kick to the body. Wow. That's interesting. He's very boxer heavy with, it, with, the, with the striking game. Very box, very hands. Yeah. So I think he has to add another wrinkle to the fight at the weekend. Because it, listen, Volkanovski's IQ is up there with some of the very, very best that we've seen in uh, in the UFC. So Ilya Tapura has all the skills, as the temperament, as the mentality. I just think he needs to add that tiny little bit of an extra wrinkle in order to get this job done at the weekend. One of the strengths that he got as part of that confidence and part of that youth is that, and, and his attitude and that so-called arrogance. I, I would, when it comes to professional athletes like this, I don't, I would never really put it down to arrogance. I'd just put it down to incredible self-confidence built on success. But I think there's an element here of he will respect the body of work that Alexander Volkanovsky's put together. But right now, Volkanovsky is just another person, just another face, just another opponent for Tapora to run through like he has done everybody else. And I think that it's that mentality of, I'm the best guy on the planet. I've known it for a long time. My team have known it for a long time. You're just, you're just finding out now. But I've known this a long time. And that kind of mentality is where the strength comes from. And that's how challengers beat champions. That's where that mentality comes from, especially a champion as... as as established as Volkanovski, we're talking, you know, if it wasn't for the second fight with with uh, with Islam, we'd still be calling him pound for pound the best fighter on the planet. He hasn't changed that much. He dared to be great twice, jumped off the couch second time and got stopped. And for that reason, we're going, uh, you can't really rank him above Islam now when Islam's beat him twice a second time concussively. So, but you kind of you're kind of penalizing Volk for what he is and how talented he is and where he is in his peak athletic performance because he dared to be great. And I think that is incredibly dangerous because he's still the same guy. But in Saporia's eyes, he's not that guy. In Saporia's mind, I don't think he sees Volk like that. He hasn't got him on that nowhere near that, that level of a pedestal. He hasn't got him on a pedestal at all. I think Saporia's just like. You're just, you just happen to be the guy that I'm going to beat when I become champion. I don't think he's like, I'm beating Volkanovsky. He's pound for pound. He did this to Max. He did that. Nah. I think Taporia's mind is, you just happen to be the dude in the way when I get the belt. Mm. And I'm going to smash you to bits and I'm going to take my belt. And there's so much strength from that. There's so much power involved in that. Yeah. Um, I put a video out on, on YouTube yesterday regarding the curse of the 35-year-old man. Um, it's there. Go and have a little bit of a look. There's loads of facts and stats in there. And I've been looking for different nuances and little bits to talk about in order to throw favor towards Alexander Volkanovsky and obviously to show that he's got to defy a little bit of history and a bit of uh, science as well uh, from, from previous times. For those that don't know too much about it, in those lower weight categories, 125, 135, 145, 155, never as a guy, male fighter, that has turned 35 years of age, either won or defended a UFC title in that period of time. Alexander Volkanovsky obviously turned 35 uh, in September of last year. In October of last year, he ended up fighting Islam Makachev, so he's 0-1. He's part of that uh, 
that stat. But at £145, this is really, really interesting. Um, at 145 purely featherweight, when you analyse all the title fights that have ever taken place at featherweight, there's been 21 of them over the 30 years of the UFC. Mm-hmm. And the younger fighter is 15 and 6 in those title fights. The interesting stat is that of the six where the older fighter beats the younger fighter in a featherweight title fight, Five of those six are Alexander Volkanovsky. Mm-hmm. So he's used to beating those young up-and-comers that have been there, done it. And we're talking elite guys. We're talking people like Max Holloway. We're talking about those type of characters that have been there, done it, earned the stripes, been champions themselves. And Alexander Volkanovsky has come through those challenges. It's just this. Come... As I say in the video, and I don't want to give it to you, I'd love you to go and watch it. Go and have a little bit of a look because there's loads of facts and stats in there. It's easy to go to those facts and stats and say, well, he's got to defy science, he's got to defy history, he's got to defy logic. If you just peel it all back and forget age for a second, mm-hmm. Volk's coming off the back of a, a knockout loss. Now, okay, he got off the couch, short notice. He said that he would, you know, he'd been on the beers celebrating his great win over uh, Rodriguez, all that type of thing. It's, it's, it's still fact, he's coming off a knockout loss. And that happened in October. November, December, this fight is announced. Already announced. So he's already back. He's already back working. January, February, we're here. Yeah, we're already back in. I personally think off the back of a knockout loss like that, it is quite a short turnaround. From a mental point of view, you want to get that win. You want to get straight back on the horse. But is it too much too soon? For any fighter, regardless of age, is it too much too soon that turnaround? That's the key factor for me. Because nobody's telling me, no, and again, I said this in the video, nobody's telling me that in seven months, that's from Yaya Rodriguez to what we're seeing this weekend, nobody's telling me that Volkanovski's fallen off in seven months, regardless of him being 35 years of age, because his performance against Yaya Rodriguez was outstanding. Roger. Is the turnaround from the knockout loss in between all that too quick? That's where I'm at. 35 for Volkanovski goes out the window. This dude's a freak. He's a, he's an athletic... G- the dude used to be heavyweight playing rugby, mate, right? He is a, he's an athletic freak. If anybody can do it, Volkanovski can defy that science and that history. But is the turnaround from the knockout loss too quick? Yeah. And it, listen, it's four months. And when you think about four months, you think, well, it's only four months. Surely I can recover from a head injury in four months. But it's the work you've done in that four months... It's the time away is as important as the camp itself. Obviously, the camp itself brings more head trauma potentially. But what was the recovery period like from the end of October through November into December before he started ramping things up again in January? Mentally and and physically, mate. Mentally as well. Of course. Absolutely. It's the full package. And, And that's how this fight will be won and lost. I believe if my mentality going into this, if... The Islam second fight doesn't exist. And we are just getting Volk. Yeah. In his next defense, six months after beating Yara Rodriguez, who's next? The next guy's Ilya Tapora. My mentality on this fight's very different. I'm like, mate, this is Volk all day. Talk about Volk, you taking the piss. Agree. Whereas that moment is so critical. Going out to Abu Dhabi, having that performance, getting stopped in the first round. 
coming back from that as well. I mean, you know, he, he was emotionally broken in the changing rooms after that fight. That's when he first revealed that he'd been drinking a lot and he wasn't in the right headspace and blah, blah, blah. This That kind of flew in the face a little bit of the Volkanovsky we were told was willing to fight every four months because I'm at the peak of my athletic prowess. I ain't going to be here forever. I want as many fights as possible. I want to define this legacy. I want to be a multi-weight world champion. I am all in on this game right now. Well, if that's true, how come he was on he was on the beer every night? How come how come he was like, I'll go on, I'll have a couple of beers, have a couple of beers. Wait a minute, Volk. You said your headspace was right now in this period of my life, everything is about MMA. Everything is about me being a champion. And yet that's not how champions would behave because you never knew if the call was going to come in. The call Islam's got a fight scheduled and you're on the beer every night, even though it's Charles and Charles has pulled out against Islam before. <clears throat> I don't know, man. It's, it was a real, a really unusual situation. The last six months with, since the year with you guys fight to now, it's been absolutely strange, bonkers, unpredictable in the world of Volkanovski. Will I be surprised if he goes in there and runs through Ilya Tapore like he did Jair Rodriguez? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because there's a strong argument to say this pound for pound is still the best fighter on the planet. However, would I be surprised if Ilya Tapora pieces him up in the first round? And at the end of the first round, we're like, oh, shit, now we've got to fight in our hands. No. No, I wouldn't. I, I, <laughs> mate, I think the first five minutes, first ten minutes are yeah, absolutely critical. massive in this fight. They're gigantic. Tapora is going to come out like a bull in a china shop. Now, Volkanovsky likes to start at a good pace. Likes to get ahead, likes to get his foot in the game. That first five minutes is so important. And then, if we get through five minutes and we get through ten minutes, yes, Tapuri has done five rounds before. He did it against Josh Emmett. And he did it at his own pace. Can he do it at Volkanovsky pace? Because Volk, Volk don't slow down. His cardio mm -hmm. is absolutely sensational. So, does Tapuri hang with Volkanovsky for 25 minutes? We might not need 25 minutes. Like I said, that first five minutes, I think he's incredibly crucial to how this fight plays out. I think that if we get to... I think that if we get to 25 minutes, I think Volkanovski will have done enough. I don't know if we get... I don't know if we get to 25 minutes, though, mate. I think this is going to be carnage. I really you, do. You've, you've also got to bear in mind the fact that Volk is... You know, he's 13-2 and two since he came into the UFC. This is his ninth consecutive title fight. Hmm. A lot of fights. It's a lot of fight camps. It's a lot of trauma. It's a lot to put your body through, even when you're an athletic freak like Volk. You can't just keep banging forever. You can't just keep going and going and going and going. At some point in time, like at every great fighter, it's going to catch up with you. And after the first round knockout loss, is jumping straight back in the right thing to do? Or you know, it's different after the points lost to, to Islam. Because you're like, man, that was a great fight, man. You did exactly... Your confidence is still up. You're still that guy. Yeah, I know. Fuck, I dared to be great, man. I know. Do you think I won? Do you think I won? I came that close. That's a, that's good enough for me right now. Bring on Yara Rodriguez. Watch this. I'm back. But when you're coming off a first-round knockout loss, doesn't matter what everyone's saying around you. doesn't matter what you're telling yourself. Correct. In the back of your mind, you it's know. a different conversation. Can't lie to yourself. Yeah. Have I, have I still got it? Did it, was it a mistake? Was it a lucky kick? Can that happen again? 
That was Ilya Tapora, mate. I'd come out. Does it? Does it make him? Does it make him slightly hesitant? Slightly hesitant, and we're talking milliseconds. It does, of course. Anybody that's had that type of defeat, they will tell you, mate. It takes you a little bit of rhythm. You need right. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm back now. Is he going to be allowed that time with Ilya Tapuria? Tapuria's yeah. flying at him, mate. He's coming yes. out the gate. As soon as whoever the referee is goes, fight, Tapuria's coming at him. Yeah. So. He'll throw that same he'll throw that same high kick that uh, Islam landed as well, just to bring back the, the visions of that. And then my argument would be, if I was Volk, you know what? As soon as he throws that head kick, slip under it, pick him up, pull him down, get him on the ground, get him down nice and early. And yeah. get you, you know, clear your head right. We're in a fight. This is a different fight. This is not Abu Dhabi. You're not Islam Makachev. Same shit ain't happening. Let's go to the floor nice and early. But you go to the floor early with someone like Tapora when just when you there's no sweat on you, there's no grease on you, you you know, there's no snot and blood everywhere. Tapora's more than capable of subbing you off his back. More mm -hmm. than capable. <clears throat> so I, I, honestly, as in a fight, I think it's absolutely sensational. Is it as sexy? Is it? Even more intriguing now after the loss to his second fight to Islam, one million percent. Correct. I wouldn't be as as excited, but I'm so excited because one or two things gonna come gonna happen. Europe are gonna coronate an absolute new king that could reign for a long time. Because if you think Tapora's confident now, imagine if he was to beat Volkanovsky. And to beat him, he's probably gonna have to stop him. So imagine how confident he's gonna be come Sunday morning. And the flip side of that is King is back, baby. Imagine if Volkanovski turns back the clock, does exactly what he does to everybody else at 145 pounds to a genuine superstar threat like Ilya Tapora, who one day will be champion. Yeah, it just may not be this weekend. Then Volk just goes, Where's that crown of mine? Just stick that back on my head again. Mega proper fight, it's a proper fight. Uh, in total contrast, uh, the core main event, I've absolutely no idea. What is going to happen? <laughs> um, is Paolo Costa going to make weight? I believe that he's in Anaheim. He's turned up. He's ready to rock and roll the lad. He's had two uh, fight camps that haven't materialised in fights. Fingers crossed we get a fight uh, this weekend. I'll be confident when I see him walking uh, to uh, to the octagon. Uh, Robert Whittaker, we kind of know what we're getting with Robert Whittaker, consummate professional. He's been out in Anaheim for uh, a couple of weeks now, getting himself uh, acclimatised and ready to rock and roll, coming off the back of a devastating loss to Dricus Duplessis. And there's a lot of alarming factors in that loss. Nobody anticipated it uh, to happen, especially in the manner it happened. I'm sure there's people out there that maybe predicted Dricus Duplessis to win, but did you predict it to happen exactly like that? Um, a lot of questions about Robert Whittaker coming in uh, to this fight. What version of him are we going to get? And what version of uh, Paolo Costa uh, are we going to get? It could be sensational, mate. It really could be sensational. It also could be a stinker. Yeah. That's the, the, that's the levels. That's the parameters where we're at with this fight. I hope, obviously, it is a classic. I hope it is a belter, but we we just don't know until it, until it turns up. Just because we haven't seen Costa forever. You know, when you've been out as long as he has. And then his last fight, I was there for his last fight, Luke Rockhold. He was out of shape. And the two of them, you know, it was entertaining for a round. And it was just two guys who were not in shape, at altitude, struggling. Like, maybe they were in shape, but maybe the altitude just 
completely and utterly yeah. finished them off. But for two rounds, they were just like flailing, falling all over each other. It was all the referee almost stopped it through sheer exhaustion. It was mad. And then prior to that, he weighs in 24 pounds, 25 pounds over against Marvin Vittori, like genuinely a couple of weight divisions outside of where the contract fight was supposed to take place. So in, t- in terms of Costa, when he's on, he's on. When he's on, he's an absolute Adonis, an absolute wrecking machine, and a genuine superstar in this middleweight division. But I just can't remember the last time he was on. Mm. And now he's become more of a caricature of himself than he has an actual title contender at 185. Where Robert Whitaker, the consummate professional, you know, doesn't leave any stone unturned, you know, in completely in control of his career and all his surroundings, you feel, ticks every box, like does it the right way, plans it, has got that work-life balance sorted now. Like everything about Robert Whitaker is like the poster boy about to be a professional athlete and a prize fighter. And yet he's ticked all these boxes. He seems to have all his ducks in a row perfectly. And then last time out, he got obliterated by a guy that going into the fight. I was like, now we're going to see the levels. Now you're going to see when Drickus gets to this level, he's going to be found wanting. Drickus got to that level and smashed that level to bits. Mm. And I was like, huh, wait a minute. It was supposed to be Izzy, Rob, everybody else. And what I found is Drickus just destroyed Rob. Strickland played with Izzy. The world just got, the 185 division got turned on its head on two occasions last year, and one of them was Rob getting battered by Jickers. So I need Rob to come back and go, That's the guy, that's the guy mm. I used to say is the best middleweight on the planet. It feels like a fight, fight for relevance, mate, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, from a Robert Whitaker point of view, did you just overlook Drickers 2 plus C? Is it a blip or has it gone? Has it gone? Because you, when you're getting put down by jabs, that's a dangerous mm-hmm. place to be. Um, and from a Paolo Costa point of view, for all the things that you just said, where have you been, mate? Are you relevant anymore in this division? The division's moved on. Are you yeah. a relevant player in the game? That's what this fight feels like at the weekend. We're hopefully going to get Drikas and Izzy. That'll be our next title fight at 185. Sean Strickland's going to get the winner of that. You know, he hasn't... Maybe. He might get the winner of this. I think... Well, I think Sean... I can't see got... Strickland sitting out. He can't just beat up, you know... YouTube no, no, you're forever. right, you're right, you're right. There might Won't be something in between out. that. There might be something in between that, you're right. But Sean Strickland right now is in the driving seat for the shot at the title. Yes. Um, given his, how close it was with Drickus and that he beat up Israel Adesanya. So whoever wins Correct. that, they've got a narrative with Sean. Um, you've got Jared Cannonier in this conversation. What's Hamzat doing? I know that he's ruled himself out of UFC 300 because of uh, Ramadan. So he's going to be coming back at some point in that in that mix. So this is a fight for relevance. Lads, don't fall behind. Don't fall off off the 185 chart. You've got to turn up at the weekend and you've got to put in a performance. I'm not saying that you have to win it, but you've got to look like you're capable yeah. in this division. I think it's a big fight for both guys. Yeah, it's it's definitely, um, as you say, it's a, it feels like a bit of a crossroads. I think the losers in, if, if you were to lose this fight emphatically, yeah, if you were, if someone gets stopped in this fight, subbed or knocked out, you're going to tumble out of that top ten. Long kid. way back in it. Long way mm-hmm. back. Uh, Jeff Neal's taking on Ian Gary. Finally, we've got it. It was originally stated for August, I think, at the at last oh, year. Uh, Neil Magny came in as a replacement for Jeff Neal because Jeff Neal pulled out through injury. We all saw what happened: the back, the fourth, 
the jibes uh, and what played out in the fight, Ian Gary put on a masterclass against uh, Neil Magny. Uh, then he was supposed to be fighting himself against uh, Vincente Luque in December. That didn't materialise because he got pneumonia. And then it's all been rebooked uh, for this UFC 298. The story of that, Ian tells it himself to us on TNT Sports. You can go and watch me, him, Bispin and Ian Gary. And he tells you the whole tale of how we end up getting back uh, to Jeff Neal. Now then, um, it's got a bit of backlash, hasn't it, as our uh, Ian Gary. The fans seem to have turned massively uh, on him. Um, yeah. And obviously his, his personal life, his private life, seems to have been plastered all over the internet. That mustn't have been fun over the last six months. Has he played a role in some of the backlash? Yes, of course he has. For example, when you put a fighter's mugshot on a T-shirt uh, and walk around with that fighter's mugshot on a T-shirt, some people might think that that is uncalled for. Some people might think that that is a low blow. And they will have an opinion on that. When you are going to do divisive things, people are going to have opinions on those types of things. Regarding the Neil Magny scenario, the back and forth about uh, kids and all these types of things. Listen, if you actually analyze that scenario, Ian uses Neil Magny's words against him. People don't want the full story, do they? They're already on the bandwagon of not liking Ian Gary because of what he did with the mugshot T-shirt with Jeff Neil. So now we're going to obviously jump on and this. And then obviously you've got the situation where they're talking about his family, talking about his wife, talking about his setup at home and all this type of stuff. So it seems to be the cool thing at the moment, doesn't it, to uh, to be against Ian Gary. I'm really interested in this week for all those reasons. I know Ian Gary's a sensational fighter. I know he is. What, yep. what What's his headspace like? Can he, if he can deal... Because he's getting it this week, isn't he? You turn up at them press conferences, they're all coming for him. No doubt about that. The media this week are going to be asking him mad questions. It's his first fight week with media around people since all this has gone crazy. Where's he at? We spoke to him last week. He's pissed off. And he's pissed off, in my opinion, in a good way. I'm going to shut some people up this week. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you deal with fight week? How do you deal with the, the mental aspect of that fight week? I'm pretty confident that when the door shuts on Saturday night, we're going to see an elite level at Ian Gary. I'm pretty confident of that. But what happens in the build-up to it? Yeah. So it's a big week this week, mate. A massive week. Because if he comes through this week shining and he mm-hmm. gets on the microphone after beating Jeff Neal, that's his dream, yeah. and he calls out Colby Covington, the whole world will be wanting it and he'll yeah. get it. Because it'll be, in a lot of people's eyes, heel versus heel in a lot of ways. But he will, he'll get that fight because, you know, we're, we're two episodes into UFC 298 Embedded, which is their daily preview yeah. show that they put on YouTube, which does millions of views, blah, blah, blah. There's a reason why they both started with Ian Gary. Because Ian Gary is the story. And we're talking about Ian but Gary being the story when you've got Volk on here against Tapora, which we've just sold here a million times over. Yeah. You've got Robert Whitaker versus Costa. Paolo Costa's on He's it. a massive Paolo, name. Paolo Costa's on this. Mirab Dirashvili yeah. versus yeah. Henry Sayudo, yeah. future Hall of Famer, Crazy. in the fight before this. That's where his star power is right now. With, with all due respect to Jeff Neal, and I like Jeff Neal. He's a good guy and a great fighter. But Jeff Neal wouldn't be on this main card if it wasn't for Ian Gary. 
That is a fact. Ian Gary has become a superstar. He was a star. We knew he had a talent, and the UFC knew he was a talent. There's a reason why he's been in the UFC. He's had six fights in the UFC. All six have been premier events. Five have been pay-per-views. The other one was live on ABC, which is their signature yeah. live on terrestrial TV UFC offering once a year. Getting on that's massive. That means we put our future stars on here, our future pay-per-view drivers. Our future, this is where we market them. Ian Gary was on that card. Everything else has been a pay-per-view. To do that, this stage of your career shows one thing, talent and your talent's been spotted. Now you add the, the second thing that is required to become a global superstar in prize fighting, and that is the social media, the personality, the characteristics. Whether you're a hero or a heel, it don't fucking matter. As long as you sell, as long as people care, as long as people are engaging with content around you, the UFC are rubbing their hands together. And that's what Ian Gary is. And I think if he wins on Saturday night, and again, if the fight were to happen tonight, no media, no public workout, no public weigh-ins, no st- none of that. I think Ian Gary has no problem whatsoever. As, as much as I like Jeff Neal, I think Ian Gary, where he is right now in his career, with the shooter box setup, seems to be in such a happy place. I think we get the best version of Ian Gary. The best version of Ian Gary beats Jeff Neal. And I think we come out of it and go, wow, this kid's a superstar. Colby Covington, main event, let's go in the summer. But we ain't going straight to the fight tonight. He has got two or three media engagements. He has got a lot of, you know, big media engagements that he can't resist, the likes of ESPN, stuff like that, that he can't turn down. He's already done some stuff with us. But with all due respect, we know him personally, and we're going to listen to his side of the arguments. A lot of this media isn't going to listen to his side of the arguments. They just want to going to try and rattle his cage to get a response. And I think he's going to... That, over the next few days, is going to be difficult for him. Walking out for the open workout or seeing the fans, walking out... He keeps saying, listen, when I walk around hotels, wherever I go, fans are great. They pat me on the back and, you know, they're the big fans. They yeah. want pictures. They're, they're all happy. Yeah, man, I totally agree. They do that with Colby Covington too. And then when you walk out in that arena, when they don't want a selfie, when they don't want an autograph, when they're not face-to-face with you, when they're surrounded by 20,000 other people, that's when people will give you the booze. That's when they will turn on them. And that's something Ian's going to have to handle at the ceremonial weigh-ins on Friday 1st and more than likely walk into the octagon on Saturday. Can he do something about it in the meantime, Adam? Can he present himself, say certain things, reinvent the storyline? Or do you think he's just going to ride this one out, get to Saturday, get the win and go, right, that part of my life's behind me. Now I'm a superstar. Bring on Colby. Mate, I think he's got to ride it. I think he's got to embrace it. I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with going full heel and saying, listen, fuck you. You can think whatever you want about me. I don't care, man. Say what you want. I don't care. I know the truth. I've got my tight-knit crew here. Me, my missus, my team at Shooter Box. Everything's sweet. You can have whatever opinion you want. Your opinion doesn't matter. What's that phrase? The lion doesn't bother with the opinions of sheep. That's where where he's got to be at this week. The, The thing is, right, somebody's going to play a move on him this week. Whether it be a fighter, whether it be a fan, whatever it is, somebody's going to say something publicly and put him on the spot about everything that's going on in his personal life. How does he deal with it? Yeah. Not just publicly, how does it affect him in here? Does because you don't want him going in there fighting angry. Yeah, this yeah, was what this was and this is a completely what the scenario that I'm going to bring up now is even is worse. It doesn't get worse than this. So what happened with Leon and Colby? 
in the press conferences, right? All day long when that fight was made, all day long, Leon Edwards is too good for Colby Covington. Too good. Colby Covington knew that, and he had to take this two-way level in order to make Leon Edwards try and fight on emotion. Needed to make him fight angry. And he and he took it to the pit, didn't he? He took it, he took it to a horrible, horrible place. It is testament to Leon Edwards' mentality that he yeah. could block that out. I mean, how many people on the planet could block that out? I can block that out. No. There's not many people on the planet that could block out a vile comment like that and go in and put in a cold business performance come Saturday night, knowing that the dude that you're doing it against said whatever they said. All right? So from an Ian Gary point of view, he is walking into this octagon Saturday night. 20,000 people. However many is in there, right? Plus the millions around the world are praying for him to get knocked out, man. Let's let's be dead straight about that. He's not going to have a lot of supporters in there, is it? There's going to be a lot of people that have been laughing at him, that are praying for his demise, that are against him. If there's something said throughout the course of the week, I imagine it being towards his wife, towards his family, towards that side of stuff. How does he control this? That's my that's my only issue with Ian Gary this week. Yeah. How does he control this? Because if he goes in there and he's free, the door shuts, nothing else matters, nothing else exists. It's just me and you, mate. I'm too good for you. And I'm going to show you that I'm too good for you. Ian Gary could have the week of his life. Mm -hmm. Because what he then does, if he puts on a clinic against Jeff Neal, pieces him up, brilliant range control. Bear in mind, then... Jeff Neal had a proper fight with Shavkat. It was a proper fight. Yeah. We'll get to that. I'll get to that in a minute. But if Ian Gary goes on and puts on a clinic against Jeff Neal, gets on the microphone, and he just goes for Colby Covington, mate, he absolutely could own the whole week. He could own the whole week. He's just got to be able to deal and accept that shit's coming his way. Yeah. And if he can, and he can use the battering ram, and he can just flip, okay, it's happened. I'm going in there. I'm going to go and be cold. He could have an unbelievable week, Ian Gary. Yeah, I, I think for me, I've got no qualms whatsoever when that the cage door closes. I think he'll be fine. Yeah. It's the, yeah. it's the. I don't think he'll carry any baggage into the into the cage with him. Don't lose it at the presser is what you're saying, aren't you? My 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 mentality is more the, the public engagement parts. You will be able to, get, but there's there's so much energy to be lost there. Yeah. There's so much like you know fucking. Because it's you not just that moment, is it? It's not just that moment. You take it home. You you talk about exactly. it in your hotel room. You talk you go about back, you... you speak to your, you speak to your team about it. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, you're fucking pissing me off. Bro. It's like Leon when Leon said when he said that when Colby said that to me and I blew up on stage and then I walked off stage and I controlled myself, did the face off. He said I was back in the hotel. I'm crying on the phone to me yeah. mum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the energy that he's wasting then. Now, thankfully, he was able to decop compartmentalize it and, and it, it helped the fact that when he got in there, let's be honest, Colby Covington froze like a deer in the headlights and Leon just played it and pieced them up. He didn't have to go to a dark place. Colby Covington wasn't willing to go to a dark place to win the fight. So it worked in his favor. The Jeff Neal thing might be a bit different because Jeff Neal's not emotionally involved. Jeff Neal goes right under the radar. Jeff Neal comes out. People are going to be carrying him aloft. Jeff, mm. come on, Jeff, do what we want him to do. Oh, please knock him out, Jeff. Come on. Oh, the support yeah. for Jeff Neal's going to be point. off the hook. The media are going to be like that. Hi, Jeff. Uh, whether you like it or not, you're the hero. 
So how's your camp gone? You've gone well. Yeah, you're looking forward to it. Brilliant. See ya. Yeah, don't, get off now because we want to have a bit more time with this guy. Right, boom, the blades are out. Let's go. Jeff hasn't got to handle any of that. He's not emotionally involved, not attached to it. Whereas I think this is how how he gets from today, Wednesday, to making that ring walk on Saturday. This is where Ian Gary could lose the fight. In the next three days, this is how he could get too emotionally invested and in some way, shape, or form lose the fight. He's just got to block it the fuck out. If you need to, Mate, come out, put headphones on, walk out in your presser. If you think, you know what, I'm bored of these questions, boom, put me tunes on. You know what I mean? Just if you, if you need to control the narrative that way, I don't think he'll do that. Ian's an intelligent kid yeah. and he'll know what's coming towards him. And I think part of the frustrations of this is that this should have been taken care of in December. Yeah. The Vincente Luque fight week in December was when all this was supposed to have been dealt with. You beat Luque, right, next chapter, close the book, Old news, let's move forward. It's dragged out because he got sick. I just want I, to see him make that walk Saturday night. I think it's better, though, that it's Jeff Neal because Jeff Neal's part of this story, isn't he, with the mugshot T-shirt and all that type of thing. Yeah. Vincente Luca was cool. He was actually diluting the situation. He was like going, yeah, yeah, Ian's sound, man. Everything's cool. You know, I wish him all the best and all this type of thing. Vincente Luca was... And, and Jeff Neal's a sound very well-mannered dude, but he's part of the conversation because yeah. of how this has, has, has ended up here. I think, mate, I think it's going to be awesome. I really do. It's just going to be, it's one of them where I look at and I go, I'm so gutted that we're not on site. Yeah. Because for the week. just, just for that, I want to be, I want, I like being around I just like being around when somebody rises from a flame. You know what I mean? It's on fire at the moment. Outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like seeing the birth of superstars. I like being around it. And and you can refer back to that moment and go, that's the moment that that kid became what he is now. Mm-hmm. This, I think he's fully appreciative of what's been presented to him. You have a moment this week to become the thing. Yeah. You can become the next thing. Steal this the is show. It. Go and steal the show. Um, you're going to have to go some, though, because Mirab's on the card. <laughs> Mirab versus Henry Cejudo. It's just batshit crazy, isn't it? Two little fellas with crazy, crazy personalities um, throwing down at the weekend. Stylistically, I'll talk about it in a minute, but just from a personality point of view, these two fellas, I don't think I've ever met anybody like either of them. No. Mirab's me, me, me mad as a box of frogs, and Henry's just constantly in... I know that he refers to himself as the cringe, but it's a character now that he's created where... He embraces it. Yeah. And it's it's actually really nice to be around. You're around, and you just can't help but just smile and laugh every time he speaks because yeah. of some of the batshit crazy stuff he comes out of. When he goes into Coach Henry mode, though, I'm like, a you're, guy. you're a really intelligent dude, mate. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? You know so much about this game. And mm-hmm. that is obviously, can't be underestimated and overlooked coming into this fight at the weekend. But the, the matchups of personality, these two... It just works. Everything about it just works. Yeah. I, I, there's so much 
to dive to dive into this week. There's so much around Vulcan to pour. There's going to be trash talk there. Costa's never shy in coming forward. Gary and Neil are going to go at it. Ian's going to be dragged over the coals by everybody. But Mirabans to Yudo just adds that final element of the drama. Do you know what I mean? It's like there's four or five different plot lines playing out here, all on one event. And they're so interesting. They're so fascinating. So Yudo is the man. So Yudo is a future Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. So Yudo is the former Olymp- the first Olympic gold medalist to come into the UFC and win a UFC title. And guess what? He saved the weight division along the way. And guess what? That wasn't enough. So he moved up to bantamweight and he won the title there as well. Okay. He's a fucking special individual. But he retired. He was out for a long time. Became yeah. a phenomenal coach, working with the likes of John Jones, giving back to the sports. But he, his itchy knuckles got the better of him. He had to come back. But he come back off the couch from three years, whatever it was, and went toe-to-toe with Aljo and lost on a split decision. He lost, but he lost on a split decision. He was competitive for five rounds. So you can't take out, you can't say he's done. But I just think Aljo, for me, he was only sticking around a phantom weight because he was the champion. No one gives a belt up and moves up a weight division. You have to lose it, and then you go, you know what? I've known this for a while, but physically I need to move up a weight class. So maybe there was that element involved. I think Mirab's a different animal, man. Mirab's a different fucking animal. I wish it's kind of like the um, the fight earlier where we were talking about activity. I wish I wish he'd not done this and my mind to be a bit clearer. I wish in this instance that Suyudo had a face Cheeto at the back end of last year, which was scheduled for last year, and he didn't. He pulled out of that fight with an injury, and Cheeto moved on. Now, obviously, Cheeto's fighting for the title. I think Suyudo then would have answered another question. Well, okay, you know, he lost against Aljo, but he come off the couch. Blah, blah. He's just had a win over Cheeto. Henry's back. Title shot, here we go. Without that, there's so many question marks. And not only that, he's had an extended period of time off again. How much of that extended period of time has been Henry Suyudo, the coach, or has it been Henry Suyudo? I ain't coaching any fucker. I want my belt back. I'm here and I'm guns blazing. And it, how much of it's been about him? Because if he's been dipping into, well, I'll fit my fight camp around his fight camp because I'm coaching him now and doing this and doing that. And I'll just do the last six weeks. I'll focus on, on me. I think that's a big mistake going into a fight with Mirab because Mirab's world, everything in Mirab's world is about Mirab becoming champion. He eats, breathes, shits, sleeps, snots, you name it. Everything in his life is about becoming UFC champion, Mirab. Yeah. Henry needs to keep this on the feet. And I know that sounds mad as an Olympic, Olympic gold, gold medalist. medalist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's just like a concrete blanket, isn't he, Mirab? He, yeah. The chain wrestling, the pressure, the cardio, the up-down. This... you're 36 and you've been the... in active as chain week. I know that you were, you were having a... You were alluding to wanting an extra 10 minutes of this fight. I think Henry needs another 10 minutes in this fight. I think it's going to get away from him. Mirab's going to start so fast. If Henry doesn't start fast and can keep up with him, this could be gone. Could be gone. Because just the pace that Mirab will fight at, up, down, up, down, up, down, hands, 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 up, down, up, down, up, down. It's just constant. And Henry at 36 years of age, like you say, he's been out. He's had one fight in three years, mate. He's striking absolutely at the back end of his tenure. Look really good. Coming on really, coming on really, really well. Really well. He needs to keep this fight on the feet. Stuff them takedowns early. Take the confidence of Mirab. You can't take me down. I'm an Olympic wrestler. And fight him on the feet. That's what he has to do. And if he does that, I give him a chance of winning it. 
if he if he gets blasted in the first minute and he's taken down and he's spending and he's oh, right, I'm up now. Down you go again. Right, I'm up now. I give him all the confidence in the world to get back up because he's fucking Henry Seudoff crying out loud. Mm. But that could be the tale of this fight that it is just that. Grab hold of up, down, up, down, up, down for 15 minutes. If Henry stuffs the first one, stuffs the second one, and we have a fist fight, Henry Cejudo's in this. Yeah. I think the problem is you're relying on the one thing he probably had. You could guess he probably won't have, and that's timing. Because of his inactivity, where's his timing at? Yeah. Where's his boxing timing at? Because someone like Mirab, who is a ball of energy and comes at you, you've got to have your timing perfect to slip and land those shots, to, to box them with your jab, line up right hands, to slip, step to the side, step to the side. You've got to be so switched on with Mirab because he's setting such a hot pace. Plus, for all Mirab's fantastic stats about the most takedowns in the division, the most this, the most that, he's also the second most strikes landed in the division. So yeah. it's not like Mirab doesn't throw shots. Mirab's fucking hands are going as well. He, he, does, it, like, he does it. He does it though to disguise the takedown. Correct. That's what he he's comes doing. powering through. He yeah, lands, yeah. Bam, 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 straight down. I, yeah. I think mean, obviously you're, you're talking about Henry, so you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. And there's a strong argument that he, you know, he's potentially the best wrestler, the most successful wrestler we've ever had in the sport. There's a difference between Olympic wrestling, of course, and MMA wrestling, but you know, fucking hell, no one's teaching Henry Sudo anything about wrestling <laughs> for the sport of MMA. For me, it's just the tempo. It's just the pace that Mirab sets. Mm. In a 15-minute window, he can outwork, as he has proven in his last nine, ten consecutive fights, he can outwork anybody. And that's what he does. Mm. He's fitter than you. He's stronger than you. He wants it more than you. And we're doing this. This is what's happening. Can you live with me? And I don't know whether a 36-year-old with one fight in three, four years is able to going to be able to live with Mirab. Yeah, I completely agree, mate. Hope I'm wrong though. I hope the first shoots stuffed. Shoots stuffed. Right, we're having a fist fight. Let's go. Yeah. Fight, yeah, yeah. Let's go. But the, but the thing is, you've just described the first minute. Yeah. The second, third, and fourth minute. It ain't like yeah. Mirab will go, oh, give up on me takedowns now. Then nah, Mirab will just keep going and 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 going. Because that's what he does. Yeah. That's what uh, he does. Do we get more than five minutes of Anthony Hernandez and Roman Kopolov? Bang. N-O chance. There you go. Uh, listen, Hernandez, very underestimated. I'm delighted that he's getting an opportunity on the uh, on the numbered card to kick off the numbered card. Uh he's got some he's got a he's on a hot streak of wins. Roman yeah. Kopolov burst onto the UFC, had two defeats early doors, and then he's uh, on a knockout streak of four. His striking's beautiful. It really yeah. is very upright. Beautiful technique, uh, technical uh, striker Roman Kopolov with a lot of power, as as Anthony Hernandez. I ju I just hope they don't have a standoff because they know that each of them are very heavy-handed. Both of them are very good at striking. Don't have a standoff. Don't let it be one of them chess matches where it's faint, 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 nothing happens. Faint, 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 nothing happens. Just fucking bomb away, man. <laughs> and just, you know... You know that first one's going, so just let's have it. Let's just kick off this main card with a gentleman's agreement. Fuck the feints, yeah? I'll throw, you throw. We'll both land at the same time, and let's see who can stand up. Let's go, man. I hope that that I think, happens. I think this fight 
is decided in the first minute, maybe even the first 30 seconds. Ooh. By that I mean, how does what does Fluffy do to approach the fight? If Fluffy Hernandez comes out and goes, right, see this mini octagon painted inside the full octagon? Yeah, inside the black man. Inside this the black lines. Stay this here. is where I live, and this is where I'm going to stay. And if he stays there, we've got ourselves a fight because you've got to push Roman Kopolov back. As soon as you start moving backwards and you're at his range, here come the head kicks, here come the body kicks, here come the fucking lethal boxing. Roman Kopolov will piece anybody up. And now he's in this headspace that he's in. This After lost two on his debut, just wasn't working. Now he's on a four-fight win streak. Lost, lost oh. two on his debut. He had two fights. Well, in, his, in his first two fights, lost them both. <laughs> He's won four since with four yeah. knockouts. Bonuses everywhere. He's a superstar. He's, he's it's popping for him right now. And Fluffy Hernandez can't afford to start going backwards early on. If he comes out and stay, if his first thing he does is touch gloves, start and walks back out the octagon, fainting, buying the feints of Kopolov as he does, backing up to the fence, game over. Absolutely game over. He's got to go forward. He's got to engage with him. He's got to have confidence in his own hands, man. He can bang. He's got to mm. have confidence in it. Do I believe he, he's looking for the knockout? No, of course not. He's looking to land some shots, get the takedown, take Koppel out to a world he doesn't want to be, and sub him out because Hernandez has got a lot of submissions. He's a submission guy. But if he stays at range, boom, he's just another statistic on Roman Kopolov's ledger. And Roman Kopolov's a serious problem in this middleweight division. I think he's quality. Yeah, he is. Uh, that's your main card. Speaking of bangers and speaking of shit that's not going to last that long... Uh, Marcos Ruggiero de Lima is taking on Justin Tapper. Oh, we're going to see the hacker again. I love it when uh, Tapper's about, man. He does all this, doesn't he? Once, he? once he's delivered the knockout, the, the full hacker job comes on in. I love him. I know that... Listen, he's not going to ever... With all due respect to Justin Tapper, I don't think he's going right to the top of the heavyweight tree, given the fact no. that we've got some elite talents up there. But every time I see his name on a card, I just get excited because he's just... I'm going to try and knock this dude out, man. I've, you know, it's very meat and potatoes. Come on. Don't fucking wrestle. Don't grapple. I'm going to show you some of this Samoan strength. Let's go, sunshine. Let me land on your whiskers. And to be fair to Delima, he does the same thing. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant matchup. I can't, I, again, I just hope that we don't have one of those standoffs where we're going, well, he can really hit and I can really hit. So let's just stand here for a bit and look at each other. Don't give us Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis. Just have it. Just yeah. have it and throw. They are. They're going to throw down. They're going to fucking try and bomb each other out because the massive opportunity for them both as well. It's a massive card. And they're the only heavyweights on the entire card. I love Taffer. Justin Taffer only fights one way. He <laughs> only fights him. one way. It's just... It's the Mark Hunt way, isn't it? Just go in there and just try and walk away, KO someone. Land clean and get him the fuck out of there. And Delima's a banger himself. I think it's a brilliant yeah. fight. Uh, you need to see more striking ability, don't you, from Mackenzie Dern going into a fight with Amanda Lemos? Because if she doesn't, yeah. she could get pieced up here. Yeah, as we know, Lemos can absolutely box. She's got lovely, tidy hands, got lots of knockouts on there as well. She only loses to the very best in the division. She only loses to the champions, in fact. Um, and I, I just think this is a... It's a calculated risk for Mackenzie Dern. We know we know Mackenzie Dern is. The UFC have signed Mackenzie Dern because she's a poster girl. She she works on two different continents. Um, she's a superstar from the jiu-jitsu world that pulls in that audience as well. 
She's got every ingredient you want to be the next female superstar. The problem is you can't just put people into these positions. They have to earn those positions. And so far, every time they've stepped her up, she's kind of fallen short. When we've got there, it's like, can you get to this level? Nope, can't get to that level yet. This is the million-dollar question for you. You're putting her in with a girl who's just fought for the title, albeit lost. If she comes through this, I think she gets the winner of the All-China uh, strawweight title fight, Mackenzie Dern, because she's fresh blood for Zhang Wiley, uh, and for Zhang, sorry, yeah. And um, and I just think that she's got that star appeal on the West Coast in Brazil that makes so much sense that she has a title fight. But beating Amanda Limos is a big ask, especially for someone like Mackenzie, who, when she gets tired, fights with the chin in the air and just throws her hands in any direction. Yeah. Very dangerous against a puncher like Amanda Limos. Indeed. Um, now, do you think they've done this on purpose or do you think this is uh, accidental? Um, obviously, Auburn Elliott is uh, making uh, inroads in the UFC and he's featured on the early prelims. Have you seen who he's fighting? Yeah. Do you think they've Big done this? Val. On... Yeah, but Val Val's is short for Valentine. Do you think oh! they've done that? Do you think they've done that on purpose? <laughs> because we are recording this show on the 14th of February, which is traditionally in the UK. Valentine's Day. Everybody's out there spreading a little bit of love, man. This weekend, Valentine Woodburn is featuring on the UFC 298. I reckon some matchmakers go, we need to get Val on that. We need to get him on the love show. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing is the great thing for, for for the Welsh gangster is you know, yes, it's long overdue, you know, he, he's been absolutely flying in cage warriors, five or six fight win streak, gets onto the contender series does his thing, gets told he's going to get a show great man, yeah, and at this point you're like, I'll, I'll fight anybody, but what they've done is they've put him in with the guy who has just been in a very high-profile UFC debut of his own. And okay, Val Woodburn didn't last too long <laughs> against Bo Nickel. But still, a lot of people heard the name Val Woodburn, yeah. associated with the UFC, heard about his backstory. <laughs> he had a great backstory. We were there in Vegas. He was brilliant with the media, kind of. And then afterwards, we were like, you know what? Okay, we expect that to happen, but we're looking forward to seeing Val fight again. A lot of people, a lot of fans will be like, oh, Val Woodburn's on this card early on. Great. I remember he stepped in against Bo Nickel. Credit to the kid. Great backstory. He was undefeated coming in. Good for him, man. Right? I'm going to tune into this. I'm going to tune in and watch Val, Val Woodburn get his UFC career going. And this provides the Welsh gangster with a perfect platform mm -hmm. to come in, smash him, and go, right, oh, that's the guy. Oh, I'll follow that guy now. So I think it's a great opponent for them. Really good. Mate, I think it's great matchmaking all around. You know, I'm, there's questions over Orban Elliott. You know, was he going to get the contract? Was he not going to get the contract? Yep. Is he up to the level? Is he not up to the level? They've took a chance on him. They've given him an opportunity. It's an opportunity that he's earned. He's grafted his absolute knackers off to get himself to this point. And he absolutely deserves to be here. But like you've just said, Val Woodburn did something that nobody else was doing. Nobody was putting their hands up last minute to go and fight Bo Nickel. Val went, yeah, listen, he's got two arms, two legs, man. Let's go. Let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. And he came up short. And we wanted the support for Val Woodburn. We wanted him to be looked after and get another opportunity. Well, this is it. I actually think it's a very, very even matchup. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a great fight. Early prelims. Go on. Go on, then. You're here. You're at the big show. You're on a big card. 
We're not doing it at the apex. We're not doing it behind closed doors making your debut. You're doing it on a big one. There's going to be fans here. Go and give us something to think about. And I think it's a wonderful opportunity for both guys. Um, there'll be no love lost going into this one at the weekend. Jesus. I like Auburn Elliott. I really do. He's been trading with Liam Williams, hasn't he? They've been running uh, the, va- the Valley steps and all that type of stuff, getting themselves in great nick, obviously doing a lot of his striking stuff with uh, Gary Lockett and what have you. Um, I hope he has a good week because I like him. Yeah. I like I like the lad's attitude. I like just his never say die, never give up on himself attitude when he, there's been plenty of opportunities to do that in his career. And I really hope he has a fantastic week. And whatever happens with the result on Saturday night, I just hope he comes away from it, you know, giving a good account of himself. There you go. Bang. I'm in the UFC now, man. And I belong here. Uh, as you say, it's a massive card as well. Massive arena in Los, in Los Angeles, in California. A lot of eyeballs. Once you've experienced this, you're in then. Do you know what I mean? It's like, right, I did it. I'm on the biggest stage possible. I've done it. Let's move forward. And that's not to say I don't think he can win. Absolutely. I think I, oh, I think he can, can win. win. I, think I think he can, he can win. win. Absolutely. I think Val Woodburn's incredibly dangerous because Val's confidence would have gone through the roof. Val's probably got a bunch of sponsorships now. He's probably got someone else running his landscaping business for him while he focuses on MMA full-time from the money he got from the fight with Bo Nickel and everything else. So expect to see the best version of Val Woodburn as well. But what I've seen against Bo Nickel was a guy that was incredibly jacked, incredibly strong, incredibly heavy-handed. But lacked on the grappling side of things. Now, was that because Bo Nichols fucking elite? Mm. Or is that an opportunity there where I think Oban Elliott, with that sure BJJ background, can just be like, right, come here, son. I ain't swinging away with you with your big mad deltoids. You're going down to Chinatown. Let's get you on the ground. Let's see what you like down here. I think that's where the opportunity lies. So I'd like to see Oban go in there. Couple of feints, bump, shoot, shot, get him down. Inside the first minute or two. Let's see what Val's really like on the ground. See if you can exploit that area. If not, get back to the feet. Right, we've got ourselves a fight. Yeah, man. 298. <laughs> good, isn't it? Mega. So much good stuff on it. So much good stuff. So much good stuff. And still no announcement for UFC 300. Maybe this week, kids. Maybe this Maybe this week. It's mad, isn't it? It's mad. The more it goes on, like Bilal social media tweet this over the last 24 hours. Where Bilal Muhammad's just like, mate, um, doesn't matter about Ramadan, doesn't matter about this, UFC 300, UFC 301, I- I'm available for anything. So then your mind's going, they're not even talking to Bilal. Bilal's not even in the conversation for 300 then. If he's putting that tweet out there, that makes you think, is he, no one, he's not even in the WhatsApp group about UFC 300 main events. We know Leon is. Yeah. We know Connor is. Yeah. We know Tom is. Yeah. We know John Jones was. I uh, I I heard a little whisper the other day. I don't know how true it is that they were they were spitballing. I don't know how far down the line they got. I haven't spoken to Leon about it, but they were talking maybe Leon and Hamzat, maybe Hamzat coming back down to welterweight to have a shot at the title. But then Hamzat shot that down, didn't he, by saying I'm going into Ramadan? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, what I'm saying is that it was spitball. It was approached. It was it was mute. It was aired, and then as Hamzat has gone, listen, man. I ain't going to be able to do anything. It's Ramadan. Do you think they could make Conor Leon? <laughs> it's the UFC, man. They can do whatever the hell they want. Um, imagine. Fucking hell. 
Connor Leon welterweight title. First, would that be the first time that somebody's had a go at becoming a three? It is, isn't it? Feather, light, welter, having a go at becoming a, a three-weight world champion? Mental. Listen, Mental. stop it, man. You're going to get people giddy. People are going to start thinking. I don't know, giddy. You get people upset. You know, there's a, there's a welterweight rankings for a reason, but you've just got to remember that there's also a unicorn in this sport. And his name's Conor McGregor. And the unicorn gets what the unicorn wants because he's the fucking unicorn. So it is what it is. But I just think now we're getting closer and closer and certain elements. John Jones removing himself. Hamzat removing himself. Bilal appealing publicly. <laughs> Please let me into the WhatsApp group. Just how is this thing going to come together and what's it going to look like? Hopefully you find out. I think there's a UFC 300 presser on Friday before the ceremonial weigh-ins. So maybe we'll get the ultimate answers in California. Nah, 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 nah. It's the motherfucking deal, double G. Can you imagine it? Nah, stop it. I'm not even going to imagine. Uh, there you go. That's today's show. Previewing UFC 298. It's going to be one heck of an event at the weekend. If you go into Anaheim, California, you're in for a treat. Who comes out on top of the featherweight title clash? Can Alexander Volkanovsky defy history and science, or will there be a new king crown uh, from Europe in Ilya Tapuria? And will we get UFC Abifa off the back of it? Fingers crossed eh, if he manages to pull that off. Anyway, it's all set to be a cracking fight. Make sure you tune into it. Uh, you can subscribe to us for all the fallout uh, come Monday on fightdisciples.com. That's where you get all your audio feeds, and you can also get us uh, on our YouTube channel, Fight Disciples, is what you're looking for. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.